The theme for today's message is Jesus is driven into the wilderness, so too are we. And the Bible reading comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. One day Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee, and John baptised him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Over to you, Pastor. I'd like to focus on two verses, actually, and Ross skipped them, (laughs) just so that I could read them, okay? Focus on two verses. I want you to listen to its brevity, and also listen to its authority. And listen to its message for you today in this century. The Spirit immediately, this is just after he comes out, right? Immediately drove Jesus to go into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals and angels were ministering to him. A number of things jumped out at me in this familiar passage again as I read it this past week or two. And one of those things that Mark says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. In fact, the Greek word means that he was cast out, thrown out into the wilderness. Now, some translations use the word sent or something else that is rather probably mild in comparison, hey? Like in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, they both say that Jesus was led into the wilderness. But the word is stronger than that. Mark says that Jesus was driven out to a place of temptation. Let me ask you a question. Do you reckon Jesus wanted to go as a human being? No, 
that Jesus wanted to battle the forces of evil? I'm like, would you? Would you blame him for not wanting to go? Which leads me to ask the question. I wonder how many people really want to be driven by the Spirit. More importantly, are you open to Holy Spirit driving you? Not leading you, but driving you out. Especially if this is where the Spirit may drive us. Hmm. See, one of the problems I believe is that so many Christians don't take this temptation of Jesus seriously. They don't want to believe that perhaps it actually happened or believe that sin was even a possibility for Jesus. But we know and confess that Jesus was like no other, don't we? We just confessed it, that he was without sin. Hebrews in chapter 4 Verse 15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. You see, if sin had not been a possibility, then the temptation of Jesus would not have meant anything to us. It wouldn't mean anything to us. He may have just made for a good story. Yes, it may have illustrated that Jesus was all-powerful, yeah? that Jesus could defeat and overcome evil, and he did, of course, we know that. But it would not mean anything for you and me because sin is very much a part of our lives, right? And yielding to temptation is a real possibility and experience in our lives, right? Well, it is for me. I don't know about you. I mean, this story about Jesus in the wilderness and being tempted is not some stage struggle to illustrate a vague point. Rather, it's much like the following analogy to me. All right? Imagine I'm on a basketball court trying to teach my four-year-old grandson how to shoot a goal. Actually, my four grandsons at home at the moment could teach me how to shoot a goal, by the way. They're pretty good at basketball. They're playing it every weekend. Um, anyway, but imagine... Four-year-old, <clears throat> now the basket I'm shooting at is only two metres off the ground. Right? And the rim is about a metre in diameter. And I'm standing right next to the basket. But then I get my grandson to throw a ball at a regulation hoop, which is what? Three, <clears throat> three, I can't reach the, the, you know, the stuff hanging from it. That's how high it is, and it's only 300 mil, millimetres in diameter. And he's standing halfway down the court. My success at making basket, my defeat of temptation, means nothing, absolutely nothing for my grandson, who would definitely struggle, right? And when trying to throw a ball to get a goal, with, will undoubtedly fail, and he would miss the mark and get discouraged, missing the mark, that's sin. Missing the mark, missing the bullseye. Hence, my example would mean nothing because my inability to fail would ridicule his inability to succeed. If the temptation of Jesus was not real, if the wilderness that Jesus entered was not dangerous, 
then the story means absolutely nothing for you and me. Mark emphasizes the dangerous place that Jesus was entering by referring it to what? Wild beasts that were there. The wilderness with the wild beasts is a place of temptation that I'm sure Jesus in his humanness didn't want to go. And to underpin the fact, Mark says, that's why the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Have you known people who, by their own choice, place themselves on purpose in situations of temptation? Eh? That they think, if I can resist doing whatever it is right in the middle of a place where that very thing is done, then I can actually resist it. Sort of nonsense, right? I'm sure as a human being, temptation was not something that Jesus looked forward to or sought out. Temptation is not something to go looking for, believe me. As if to be tempted is synonymous with being spiritual. The Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. His temptation was real. His testing was difficult. If it had not been, then it would be meaningless for you and me. First part of the verse setting, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, it says. Imagine the scene. Goes out to the Jordan, baptised by John, identified as God's son and servant, and then immediately is driven into the desert for a time of testing and trial for 40 days. How would you go? Does the sequence of events bring any other biblical stories to mind? Hey? Uh, what happened to the people of Israel when they left Egypt? That's a good one to remember, isn't it? They passed through the Red Sea. That's like a baptism. Yeah, cool. They entered the wilderness where they were tested, not for 40 days, but for how long? 40 years. Slow learners. The similarities are not accidental here. If we look back to the Israelites, we will see how God grows his people to trust in him alone. And I believe God's purpose for us in times of testing is to help us to grow to do this also. To show us that we need to rely on the work of Holy Spirit. We need to rely on Holy Spirit to grow our faith, receive the ability to stand up to any testing. Because I guarantee the evil one will test you and test you time and time again. And there's some demons around that he's got as well will, will help you to do that as well. Which means that for us to trust totally in our loving God in those difficult and testing times. And we can only do that with whose help? Holy Spirit. See how important Holy Spirit is too, for you? Now at the same time as our testing occurs, Satan has his own purposes for it. And that is to turn us away from trusting Holy Spirit, from trusting the Father from trusting Jesus, to tempt us to what? Disobey, displease and dishonour God, which is called S-I-N. What's the middle letter? I, sin. And the only way out, the only way of escape is to have the ability to endure temptation, just like it was for Jesus, which happened when we totally... Which happens when we totally rely on Holy Spirit resting upon and filling our life. I'm calling Holy, on Holy Spirit every morning to lead me, to even when He's driving me to do something, He's with me. He's the one that's doing it, not me. I've got to get out of the road. 
Just like the spirit that drove Jesus into the wilderness, it was a spirit that delivered Jesus as well, wasn't it? He was delivered. Mark tells us that during Jesus' temptation, the angels ministered to him, meaning the spirit of God was empowering, sustaining, and bringing deliverance to Jesus as he battled the forces of evil. And if you read the Gospels and you follow Jesus' story through the Gospels, that happens so often. You see, the story of Jesus' temptation is a story of spirit-drivenness and spirit-deliverance. Do you want the same thing to be true for you? I'm getting a lot of blank looks. Is that true for you? Yeah? You know, that's what I want. Folks, our times of testing and temptation will come and continue as long as we're on this planet. I'm not going to stop. And it will be in those times that we discover our help will only come from Holy Spirit, from our Lord. The temptation of Jesus is just a glimpse, a precursor and preview for the rest of his life. Which means that this picture of Jesus spending time in the wilderness and being tempted just after his baptism points to another place of isolation and solitude and temptation. You see, in this wilderness at the beginning of Mark, we can catch a glimpse of another wilderness where Jesus battled evil, doubt and temptation. And that place of wilderness was called, first of all, Gethsemane. Remember the story? It was there near the end of Jesus' ministry of serving, of sacrifice, that he again conquered temptation. Only on this occasion, victory and deliverance meant being driven not from the place of temptation, but onto a Roman cross, which meant deliverance not for him, but for who? You and me. Friends, one's victory only comes through the blood of the Lamb. Jesus laid down his life for you. And we are to respond to temptation by totally relying on the power of his indwelling presence in our lives through his spirit. The temptation of Jesus was spirit-driven. It was real. It was difficult. For Jesus identified with us in the trials and tests that we face. He understands. And it was by the power of God's spirit resting in and upon his life that he was delivered from temptation. That he, over, that he conquered, that he overcame. The wilderness on the other side of the Jordan was just a preview of the wilderness of Gethsemane and then the cross, where Jesus once again faced the test. And it was on that wilderness mountain of Calvary where Jesus won the ultimate and complete victory for you and me. It's through the blood of the Lamb, through the battle that he fought and won, through the power of his spirit resting upon your life, resting within you. And there is no other way that you will overcome, be victorious and pass the spiritual test of life. As an old hymn says, some go through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire. But to be victorious, all must go through what? The Saviour's blood. Folks, there's victory for you and me only through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and there's freedom and healing from every temptation through the work of Holy Spirit, working through and the living Word of God as we dwell in it every day and we're blessed with. That's my encouragement to you. Dwell in the Word. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to you, to lead you, to even drive you. 
And you're going to have many wildernesses, folks, as you journey through life. But you've got the good news and you've got the best help in the world. Holy Spirit. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds centred and focused in Jesus through the work and by the power of Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.